Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind to both employees and customers love and support. Thanks to BizSimply for sponsoring this episode as our show partner. And BizSimply is the all-in-one HR, workforce management, roads and operations software designed and built by hospitality experts to make every shift run like clockwork. And we join forces to help the industry to find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, to how we grow our businesses, to how we serve our customers. Together, we want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long-term, not just survive. Fill a room full of passionate people from all over your organization and really trying to get under the skin of why people join, why people stay, and where people find a sense of purpose, impact, and belonging. And if you can start to create themes, you know, it could be two, it could be five or or whatever of of reasons that people find achievement and a sense of purpose, impact, and belonging, you can start to put a framework together that resonates, that's authentic, and then hopefully make sure that that aligns with your organization. And it it doesn't have to be over-engineered, the simpler, the better. But the most important thing is it, it it's representative of your whole organization so people can buy into it. And it's something that you're confident leading with. This is Brian Adams. He is the CEO and founder of PH Creative, which is an employer brand agency that's working with leading edge brands like Nike, Apple, Glassdoor, and many others. He's also a speaker and author on the topic of employer branding. He's been writing two great books, Give and Get Employer Branding and Getting Goosebumps. I will definitely advise you to go and grab a copy of these two books if you are on the pursuit to become better at building an employer brand. In this conversation, Brian and I sit down to talk more about how you get your brand to stand out, shape your reputation, and bring clarity to your proposition as an employer. Brian shares his definition of what a great employer brand is and share how you become an attractive employer in today's search for talent. We dive into what people are really looking for when they are going for a new role or a new job, how you bring competitive edge when you become a business as a force for good. Brian also shares some great examples of what the best of the best are doing when it comes to build a contagious culture that gives people goosebumps. He also shares his own entrepreneurial journey and his leadership lessons over the last couple of years and much, much more. So if you are looking to boost your approach to how you attract and retain your talent, this is for you. Grab notebook and enjoy. Today we will um, have a, a slightly different, probably, approach to one of the biggest challenges we have in our industry, the hospitality industry. But it's not only hospitality that has the challenges. The we call it the staffing crisis, uh, or the engagement crisis. You can also call it. And and I think the last number I saw, I think it was last week, it was we were missing more than five hundred thousand people to run our businesses efficiently so that comes back again are we actually attractive 
uh, as an employer? Are we attractive as an industry? And how do we actually solve those things? And then, and I've been talking with, prior to that number came out, I've been talking to Brian as our guest today. And we're going to be diving into a subject I spent quite a long time in my, my past career as well, uh, especially with McDonald's, about employer branding, because McDonald's was not always a, a loved place to, to work. So with that said, welcome to the show, Brian. And it's going to be hugely exciting to dive into your experience around employer branding and all the businesses you've been working with over the years. Thanks, Michael. Looking forward to the conversation. Appreciate uh, you having me on. It's a really interesting topic right now and the world's changing. So lots to talk about. Yeah. And, 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 and before we dive into the, you said a big question there, the world is changing a lot is going on. Let, let's just set the scene, uh, Brian, who, who are, who are you? What is your story and how did you actually create a business PH creative that actually works with employer branding? How did that all come together? And, and, and you work with some incredible companies. Yeah, sure. So it wasn't always like that. I can I can assure you. So 18 years ago, I started PH Creative. Makes me feel really old. I was in a job I absolutely loved. I was a, a designer for a lifestyle magazine, and we were working in a little team. It was hard work, but I got a lot of uh, enjoyment from it. But one day, it was the 29th of March, 2004. Our boss came out uh, into the open plan office, and he looked like Bluto from Popeye. If anyone can um, imagine that. And he came over to my desk. I'd done something wrong. He leaned in and he, he bawled me out. He shouted at me in front of about 40 people, made me feel about three inches tall. So I, I quietly let him finish, stood up, went home and never went back. And I started the company the very next day, the 30th of March, 2004. Um, and we were a general marketing organization. And over the, probably 10 years ago, we started to specialize in the recruitment space. And, and then we doubled down into um, employer branding. So we're our vision is everybody loves their job and our, our mission is to help the world's largest employers better articulate the employee experience so people can make better career decisions. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm pleased to say ever since focusing in a niche, we've enjoyed a lot of business growth and we've been able to build our reputation and, you know, we're privileged these days to work with some of the best brands in the world. And um, so when you started out the business, you know, this is the story of you wanted the freedom to set set your own direction. Now you created a business that focuses on the needs and employer branding. What is like your mission now uh, working with, with businesses, improving their employer brand? What is your bigger goal? What is the change that you would like to see in the world? So um, I released a book in uh, March 2020 17th of march 2020 um one week before the pandemic shut the world down <laughs> worst time ever to launch a book but the reason we wrote that down was and then sort of released that was we believe that we've stumbled across a better way to to approach employer branding which isn't conventional and it's it's we've proven it with many large organizations you know clients that give us great feedback and um Essentially, we, we did that because we wanted to put our little little dent in the universe and change the employer brand industry. So instead of keeping that as our secret source, our competitive advantage, uh, we published it and gave it away. And um, and now, give and get employer branding, that methodology is impacting uh, a lot of large organisations and how they approach employer brand. And you know that that that's super satisfying because we feel like we've contributed to the industry significantly now. Yeah, and and you also you 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 mentioned the book yourself. You were not just 
ordered one book, but you actually ordered two books. Also the one that's called How Do You Actually Create the Goosebumps? You know, and both in, from a marketing point of view, but also like from the recruitment process, how do you actually get in touch with the right people for, for, for your organization? That's right. So I guess it's a running theme, actually, getting goosebumps. It's about storytelling and the art of using communication uh, effectively. And the, the premise behind that book is if you can if you can put a message out into the universe that has the ability to physically change the state of your audience, i.e. give them goosebumps, then you've emotionally connected at the highest level. Um, so the art of storytelling is, is probably um, a big piece of everything we do at PH Creative. It's a foundational layer. You know, they say if, uh, if our brain was, was a computer, s- storytelling would be the software we use to make sense of the world, you know, and I, I really believe in that. Is that what makes you unique to to other people that works in the employer branding space? Is that really that understanding about how you actually get the right stories out of the business to activate those goosebumps? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a part of it. It's certainly a strength. I wouldn't like to say that, you know, we've, we sort of dominate the market on storytelling. There's a lot of great storytellers out there. There's some fantastic brands you know, we've still got a lot to learn from, from a storytelling perspective. But the in the space of employer brand, our approach is different, uh, such that we don't just talk about the strengths, the benefits and the opportunities of a, a working environment. We actually lean into the harsh realities and the challenges and the adversities. And what we find is, the first thing is that's refreshingly different. Um, sadly, not a lot of organizations tell the full truth of, of, of what it's really like. But actually, you know, it piques the interest of an audience. It helps to it helps to differentiate, but it answers the big question of what does it take to really thrive inside an organization? Like, what's the truth? You know, there's a reason Glassdoor was sold for over a billion dollars. People are, you know, searching for what, but what's it really like? So if, if you can include those elements into your employer brand narrative, it gets the attention uh, of your talent audience and people join because of, the challenges they might find, not not despite of them, um, and and typically, um, you've better set expectations, and that's what it's about. It's about better setting people's expectations, so you don't sell them a dream, then they find something different, you know, and people leave, um, you know. So we believe in communication that's set with um, acknowledgement and appreciation, uh, grounded with with the authenticity of what it's really like, and you know, it, it works, Michael, you know, it really does. It's really interesting. You're talking almost like a black box theory because actually when you, the times I've been going for a job myself, I'm always been asking, so how is it actually to work there on a day-to-day basis? How are the relationships going to be? And actually your job as the employer is what you're saying. It is so important to open that box and share that box so you make sure that actually you're attracting the people that actually want to work in that kind of environment so you don't waste your own time but also not their time because that can be very very costly but just if we just have a step back actually because like i i work with employer brand and have an idea but like for the audience out there what does actually employer brand mean if you have to define that very briefly what you know how, what what does it mean in, in the context of of a business yeah so essentially your employer brand is the reputation you have in the marketplace as an employer and 
right underneath the employer brand is something called the EVP, which is an employee value proposition. And we think of that as a two-way value exchange. You know, and so if you can if you can articulate what you have to give to a role and an organization, then it opens the door to also then state what you have to um, what you're going to get in return. You know, so it's a very clear proposition, and and that is very much about setting expectations. So, you know, from a strategy perspective, there's three layers. The first is what's the reputation you need as an employer to drive your organization forward, to compel the right talent towards you. What's the proposition you need to 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 set expectations so you can be effective and efficient at finding the talent that will thrive. And then from a talent experience perspective, where do those stories and those moments need to show up to to demonstrate everything aligns and everything's authentic, authentic so people can um, not just experience the truth of, of what you've put out there, but, but also become ambassadors and, and, and advocates as well. Yeah, and I guess that really you know we all know that that first interaction but what what you you also you also mentioned a bit like people are looking for the truth of the company you mentioned glassdoor as an example as a reason why the value on that business is so high is because people are actually using this to get insights but if i'm looking for a new job and you know um you know what should i be aware of as an employer i mean when, when especially you know talent are looking for new roles in today's world how are they looking at it and how are they approaching it because i'm 100 percent sure it's really changing in, in in especially in the times we live in right now even though we're going tough times ahead i think people's gonna really looking at taking a job it's, it's a big decision and i'm gonna be very careful about taking any kind of job yeah, that's right. And I think, um, you know, we talked about the great resignation. I called that the great epiphany. You know, people have woke up and thought, hang on a minute, like there's more to life. I've got more choices. I can put my mental health first. You know, I can I can look for things on my terms. And the organization's quick to respond to that. I've, I've shown up and, and they've been more relevant and demonstrated an, an empathy and understanding for the for the world we're living in and, and how we need to bring that opportunity to the to the talent marketplace. You know, people are looking for those things um, on their terms now and organizations need to respond. But, you know, in simple terms, we've all had those I don't know, conversations with a career coach or somebody at work or a best friend where you've asked their advice. And if the advice is something like, look, this place, this place can be really stressful. It's peaks and troughs. It's, you know, it's, there's always something. It's high energy. Um, you've got to multitask and juggle a number of competing priorities it's not easy by by any stretch of the imagination. And sometimes you haven't quite got the resources or the team that you need to do the job. It can be hectic. But those who do well here, they tend to stick it out because when you're in the trenches with people, you really form lifelong bonds. And you know the, the people around you, we pull together. There's high collaboration. There's trust. And even when you leave this place, you tend to stay in touch with everybody you've worked with because of those strong friendships. And when, you, when you're working under pressure, you look back at the time you spent here and you'll probably say something like, wow, I didn't realize at the time, but I, 
I learned about prioritization and time management and stress management and all these things, and you'll grow as a person. So by leaning into the challenges that you will find, it's refreshingly honest and you level setting expectations in reality. So that's the first thing. But the next thing is you then get to context why people stay and why people find fulfillment and enjoyment and growth in that situation. So it makes sense. You know, and when you when you position something like that, uh, it's believable and it's okay for people to say, well, that, that doesn't that doesn't sound like something for me. Um, you know, so if if you put a lot of people off with that messaging, that's okay. The job isn't to be just globally more attractive. The job is to be attractive to the right people, you know, and I think that's the big key that a lot of organizations miss. I think it's very inter interesting you're talking about that, you know, the person I can become and the qualities I can get further down the line. I, I'm, it's always bad to take yourself an example. I worked for McDonald's for, for more than a decade. And the reason why I stayed was because I became better not just at my technical ability but also i became a better version of myself by getting insight into my inner self and evolve as a leader and a business person and i became a better business person by being working for mcdonald's and still today the things i discover i'm almost 10 years since i worked the last time i'm still discovering things i actually learned that way back because i was in a certain employee journey and also certain support for growing me and then and transition me from the day I started in the restaurants, cleaning the loose to a work for head office in, in different functions. So it's really, really interesting to say that. Yeah, and, and you know what, Michael, many moons ago, I was a chef, like to get through university, I worked in kitchens and sometimes I did um, 80 hour weeks and it was really difficult, uh, but I stuck at it for a number of uh, reasons. Mainly I needed the money to pay for school, but um, when I think back at those those um, times now, multitasking and um, and juggling multiple priorities, you know, there was always twenty meals on in the in the kitchen that I was cooking at the same time. Dealing in a small space in a, a hot environment, you know, highly stressful. Never never seemed to end. It was an ongoing conveyor belt of of stress and pressure. Um, sometimes I was working with people I just didn't like, but I had to get along with them anyway. Um, you know, and uh, I learned more about life and business um, and myself in that kitchen than I did in the classroom while I was at school. And I often think about those times and the skills I learned uh, under the, the real pressure of a very hot kitchen. Uh, it's certainly not something I'd go back to, um, but I'm grateful for the experience. If we go back a bit about like now I'm an employer and I want to get this right, it actually starts, you know, with you say like how do people actually perceive you? How is your reputation out there? So we'll say we got that right. But how do you create that experience of when you get in contact with the the business and the brand and you know, do you have some good examples of what good looks like and what you should be doing as you're trying to attract the right people to your business? Yeah, I mean the approach to employer brand, essentially, 99% of the success of employer brand is about alignment, aligning what the organization needs with what your talent is really looking for, you know, and the authenticity of your employer brand is essential. So you need to start by researching and, and really getting a, a good idea of what the landscape really looks like. And typically we do that by 
by researching and observing three areas. One is the leadership view. Where's the organization going? What do they feel like the culture needs to be to be effective and productive? Um, you know, and understand what, what's the vision? What, what are we asking people to buy into here? And, and why is it so valuable? The employee view typically give you the, um, the warts and all truth, the reality of, you know, a snapshot of reality of today. And then the market view, what are we trying to differentiate against and how can we be positioned to be more relevant to our talent um, than, than our competitors? So it's a mixture of those, those three things. And if you can find alignment, um, you know, so you can identify the capabilities required to drive the organization forward and position it in a compelling way for the right type of people, then not only can you be authentic and specific and confident with your messaging, um, but you can bring people on by level setting expectations perfectly, perfectly well, um, you know, and, and you can be comfortable that if they do join, um, there's a good chance that they'll stay. But but now in such a volatile world, you've also got to keep an eye on like, well, my business isn't the business it was 12 months ago. So it's an ever moving landscape unfortunately but but actually that doesn't mean lots of budget and lots of upheaval and lots of rewriting strategy it means listening to people empathizing having compassion and accommodation for the people that you really value inside of your organization and you know you look at gen z and um, millennials being heard and having opportunities to to work on themselves and find fulfillment and achievement is you know 70 percent of the equation um you know so if you can find those things inside of your organization um you know and, and wrap them in compelling stories then you know you, you're probably onto a good thing that will serve your business quite well yeah, there's a couple of things i wanted to dive into the uh, brian but that's really interesting well like you said it has to be authentic lots of people talk about purpose how important is purpose you know and, and having a a purpose of doing good in the world business as a good a force for good in the world when people are looking for a new role in in today's world because i believe that most businesses started out with the intention of doing something well besides making business results yeah so we're in a generation of identity you know and people sort of take on the purpose and brand of, of their employers part of their identity they want to be proud of the place they work for you know, and um, this idea of citizenship. So is this an organization that creates opportunities to leave the world better than we found it is is a key driver for, for the talent audience. So understanding where you fit in and how you do that as an organization is really important. But what it also gives you is a North Star to galvanize everything around. Um, and I'll give you I'll give you a, a little example. Um, when you look at when you look at an organization like Nike, um, they they exist to make sport a daily habit they believe that sport is the great leveler you know it, it's a it's it makes people see good in everybody um you know it's uh, universally celebrated and you know it does a lot of good for the world and they believe they they exist to serve athletes and there's a little asterisk on the athlete uh, and underneath it says um if you have a body you're an athlete which, which I love, it's incredibly inclusive and, um, and universal. Inside of Nike, when you talk to them, they don't call people um, employees, they call them teammates. 
and you think, okay, that's that's cute, that's nice. But when when you get to know them a little bit better, they are a team in the true sense of the word. And they're high performance, so they, they demand a lot. But the compassion and the empathy and the coaching mentality they have is compelling. Um, and actually on their retail side, um, they don't call their, their people teammates. That's like for corporate. They call them athletes. Many of them are athletes, actually, and their managers are called coaches. And you can see they live and breathe that language and the, the sporting analogy uh, is, is true. And um, even the casual labor there, you know, buy into the values and the support structure because that sense of team is very compelling and it's very fulfilling when you're part of a, of a team like that, contributing as well as receiving the benefits of a true team. So understanding who you are as an organization, having a higher purpose, and then creating a world that everything is cohesively galvanized around that philosophy. It's not only simpler to, to run a business, uh, it's highly compelling and easy for people to buy into or opt out of, and that's okay as well. You know, so it, it's, it can be incredibly powerful. And also, like they say, um, character is revealed under under pressure. True character is revealed under pressure. And Lord knows over the last few years, organizations have, have, have really felt that. And when the chips are down, if you've gone to the lengths to really articulate what your people mean and put it in the context of a philosophy and something you believe in that's pointed to a, a purpose that um, that really resonates, then you'll be rewarded for that with loyalty uh, and camaraderie and morale and leadership across the ranks. And it's it's a very powerful thing. And I've seen it in a number of organizations over the last two years. And it gives you hope. You know, um, it's it's fantastic to see. And those organizations who are doing fantastic financially, uh, but making some poor people decisions have really suffered over the last two years as well. And it's it's a great leveler, isn't it? You know, karma is a wonderful thing. So spot on, because we, we did a piece of work over the last year, which turned out to become a white paper. It's called The Six Tenants of Agile Hospitality Business. And, and, and the first one is, is clarity of direction. And actually, when we started looking into these businesses, a bit like Nike, they have absolutely clarity of where they're going and why they're going. The, the change, and it comes from the, the early days where there's written some kind of, let's call it a manifesto. And I know Nike have a manifesto, I think it's 10 points. So, and all the things you said is in that manifesto because I'm I'm geeking so much out of these things. I've looked it into that because I wanted to understand what is that they do to get that absolutely clarity to be able to talk to their customers in a specific way and the employees. And it all just comes together all the time. If it snows or rain, it doesn't matter. It always comes together and they perform at a very high level. It doesn't mean it's easy to have a job in those businesses. I'm thinking about Southwest Airlines, as you're talking about Nike, some of the similar kind. It's not an easy job, but people really stick together and that team thing. And you can feel that as a customer as well. So you think, I, I would like to work here. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting you mentioned Southwest Airlines because and, and Nike, because there's two brands that, you know, many people know and over the years, many people have loved. You know, it's more than writing on a wall and it's more than an iconic logo. And I can think of a number of times with Nike and Southwest 
when their brand and their purpose has been tested. You know, recently I saw um, an open letter to Southwest. Somebody was complaining and they they went to great lengths to describe what the um, the person at Southwest had done on the, on the plane and how they'd been treated. And they were backed up by the CEO. And, and essentially the CEO said, look, it sounds like you're just not a Southwest customer and there's plenty of other airlines. So, you know, best of luck. And that's authenticity. And can you imagine the, the pride uh, and the passion was created when the CEO stood up, stood behind the people and put them first ahead of customers because of principles and because of what they say the brand stands for, they proved it in that moment. That's powerful. That That's a great example of real authentic brand at work and the value it can bring to an organization. And what's really interesting we're getting to here is that purpose is not just that, that of course, it's good to do good in the world, but also actually like acting authentically when the situation comes up and it feels naturally because actually funny enough what you mentioned there from Herb Keller does unfortunately not with us anymore what he also said uh, what also happened there that the, the raving fans the real customers oh, of yeah. uh, of Southwest really supported you know Southwest Airlines and you know it was really good for business as well so it's like this it's just like this almost flywheel effect that starts with these things absolutely and you know um, the key ingredients to that situation and that scenario to get raving fans isn't necessarily just, you know, being more um, customer friendly or being more fun or any of those things. It's actually clarity and confidence, just clearly defining who you are and who you're not, and then sticking to your principles and showing up, you know, under pressure um, consistently. And um, and Southwest is a very good example of that. And of course, they are a bit irreverent and they are fun loving and all of that stuff. So there is a, an infectious likability about that brand as well, which doesn't hurt. But um, those stories resonate and they get spoken about because in this day and age, a lot of organizations think branding is a poster on the wall and a, a something that you you do at the start of the year or you do every five years. And, you know, and, and that's it. But it isn't. It's about how you show up authentically and how you live and breathe that and how leaders um, live and breathe it and um, set the, set a good example. So clarity and confidence of who you are and and also the clarity and confidence of who, who you're not is, is, is a really good place to start. And you said like that the citizenship is really important um, in for, for, for people that's looking for, you know, a new role. I want to use my skills somewhere else. I want to go somewhere else. So, so, so is it is it actually important that business is a part of solving our big challenges in the world and we can take climate change, you know, inequality, there's huge challenges in, in the world today. And as, as we move into a new phase uh, of the world after the pandemic, there will be more challenges ahead. We have wars going on in the world as well. So, so how important is that in, in in being a good employer that actually you 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 participate in that because many think that for example Patagonia from day one knew they wanted to to save the planet that actually in my understanding evolved over time and then they took responsibility and went out and did it in their way yeah well I think uh, Patagonia are the ultimate example of citizenship aren't they but um, 
that wasn't a surprise to anybody. It was incredible and disruptive and a first, um, I think. But it wasn't a surprise because it was congruent with who they are and who they have been for many years. So the element of citizenship, I would say, is becoming ever more important to a younger generation of talent. But it it needs to be authentic and it needs to be aligned with the organization. So, you know, I would really um, warn against jumping on bandwagons just to sort of try and be popular or relevant in the in the, the latest conversation of a crisis or, or, or whatnot. It needs to resonate and be, be truly aligned with your organization. And typically there's three types of brand reputation. Citizenship is, is, is one of them and it's an important sort of ingredient for sure. But the others are culture, which employer brand has traded on, you know, for many years, how, how you make people feel, can they bring their whole self to work and um, how do you provide a sense of belonging? And the third C uh, is career catalyst. So is this a place I can I can go to accelerate my career? And typically organizations are one of those C's, you know, citizenship, culture or career catalyst as a main driver. And again, we come back to this idea of just clarity and confidence of knowing why you're relevant and why you're different and doubling down on on the authentic truth of, of your organization and telling compelling stories so people can make a really well-informed decision as to whether this is for them or, or not. But um, citizenship can show up in, in many different ways, you know, to giving away all your profits for the, for the you know, to, to affect climate change um, or just doing something to the local community or empowering your, your people to, to choose something to contribute towards themselves, like find something that's meaningful, that matters to, to your people. And that can be a fantastic way to inject citizenship into any situation. Yeah, I love you say, say it's like, it, don't make greenwashing, make it like something that's obvious and feel naturally for you as a business to do, then it's going to play out much better in uh, attracting, but also, of course, uh, retaining your existing staff. If if you were saying, you know, you talk about the three C's, um, who can you give some examples of brands that's, you know, that's you know, maybe even driving on one of them, but actually also are really good at mixing those three C's and getting it right and mastering, in principle, employer branding. Yeah, so I'll use examples that aren't customers, um, you know, just so I can sort of comment on what I see. And um, probably uh, from a retail perspective, I think Starbucks trade on culture. They invest in their people and they've they've proven that from the benefits. So if you just do 20 hours a week, um, you know, as a part-time person at Starbucks, you've, you've, you've got access to... Um, support from a higher education perspective and um, and also shares in the company and so on and so forth. They really care about the people and they double down on training. So you leave with with a lot more sort of skills than, than you joined with. Um, HubSpot uh, is, a, is a great example in Salesforce. They both trade on their, their culture. Zappos uh, is a famous one. Um, you know, they really sort of empowered their, their customer service team um, to do the right thing by, by their customers. You know, so there's some good examples from a, a, a culture perspective. Career Catalyst is an interesting one, because if you look at organizations like Amazon, who haven't necessarily got a, a great reputation for being warm and fuzzy and caring about their people, they are unequivocally a, a great example of Career Catalyst, because if you can stick it out in Amazon for a couple of years and you can progress there, 
then you can go anywhere because you really do earn your stripes. You know, um, you've got a reputation. They've got a reputation that, you know, um, only the high performers sort of make it there. Um, you know, so so you don't necessarily need to be the warmest and cuddliest brand to to support and align with your business goals all of the time. You just need that clarity and confidence and being able to articulate, hey, this is why people come here. You know, so if you can work in a harsh reality where we're constantly expecting the best from you um, under pressure, then in two years time, you can pretty much go and work anywhere because everybody knows it's tough to stick it out to Amazon. Then it's not the friendliest proposition, but it's clear uh, and that will appeal to some people. You know, some people will be compelled towards that. Some people will be repelled away from it. And that's OK. And, you know, that's the point. You need to find your proposition that best serves your people as well as best serving your organization. Super, super interesting little angle there as well, because again, then that's, it's about boosting your skills almost. That's why you potentially go and take a job at Amazon, really, really showcasing your skills that actually I am ready for more. And and, uh, and you're absolutely right. I, I've met ex-Amazon people and worked with them as well. Um, and you're right. That is, is a special pedigree that comes out of that performance environment yeah and and, and, and and maybe it's not cuddly but it's like really delivers uh yeah, in it, a way it is what it is yeah, yeah absolutely it is what it is right. you say yeah what about um what what is uh you know you you think like if you mentioned three top challenges for for employers right now across the board what do you see that this is the challenges they're having no matter industry no matter sectors what is the typical thing you see when you you work with leaders and out in businesses so um a sort of macro challenge that organizations are just starting to think about is in economic uncertainty um a lot of organizations have to hire large numbers of people and then they need to let them go um organizations are having to think about their alumni community now and how they how they treat people with dignity and respect and support when they're offboarding, because those people are often the key to um, long-term sustainable brand reputation. Um, you know, and, and if you think about it, even if it's sort of not mass layoffs, which is obviously a, a, a big issue at the moment, um, typically people who put their time into your organization and then and then leave. They go on to bigger and better things. They get older, they get more senior, they get more experienced, they get more influential. So um, if you keep hold of that alumni community, it's incredibly powerful to wield a message of brand reputation and what it's really like. Um, so so that's, that's definitely a, a trend and a recommendation. And any organization that has casual labor, there's a huge opportunity there. You know, if, if you've got if you take care of your alumni community, um, they will reward you in a number of ways. You know, the, the agility of hiring people back when you need casual labor, the reputation and referrals and, you know, that the, the list goes on. So that's that's definitely one thing that we're, we're seeing. The second thing is um, is embracing the harsh realities and the challenges and the adversities like we've, we've already talked about, because. There is a very savvy talent audience there out there who who knows that they're not just going to buy into 
your bragging of what it's what it's like and um, the marketing and advertising, they'll do the research. And typically, people research between six and eight hours before uh, applying for a, a new role if they if they want to know more about the organisation. So, um, telling a well-rounded story of what it's really like is is, is super important. And then I wonder if I could give you something a little bit more tactical for organizations. Um, we're finally seeing brands invest in uh, search engine optimization and sort of the digital infrastructure so they can have less reliance on the likes of Indeed and all of the job boards and so on and so forth um, who have been stealing their um, brand visibility in search engines for years um, and and controlling the candidate experience on their own their own domains and sort of taking the the digital infrastructure a lot more seriously. So, I'm not sure if those are the things that you you are looking for, but that's that's what we're seeing in in our space at the moment. Uh, super interesting, especially the last thing you you talked about, like how do we actually own the relationship with the employees, like you would like to do with your customers? How do you get that balance out so it's even? So it's not like a second-hand thought, it's actually a first-hand thought that actually, how do we actually communicate directly with our potential talent on people that left us? A really interesting thing is that the alumni uh, thing, when I work McDonald's, we uh, were trying to find out how do we actually become attractive. We had the whole Mac job campaign and we actually did a quite a lot of work. And in Denmark, where I were, we became the best place to work over three years. And one of the key thing I think was actually we went back and found stories of people that were still part of our alumni and they told their stories of what McDonald's has done for them and where they ended. And some of them ended in top senior executive job. And if that's the journey you want on, you can learn a lot of McDonald's. Some of them have totally changed careers, but still use the teamwork, the, the, the organizational skills they learned from McDonald's to be successful as school teacher, what it was. And it was incredible as you, you went back and you captured those stories, how powerful that was. I think that was one, some of the, one of the biggest turnaround things we did. And then, of course, we improved our recruitment process, our employee journey, and all those things operational you need to do, both from head office out to the restaurants. But the really key thing was, I was like, real people that's been through a transformation and McDonald's had paid a part of that, like you talked about Amazon before, like it really, really elevated them on in their life. Absolutely. I think, I think that story is a really good example of exactly what we're talking about, Michael. And in, in the case of McDonald's, it's even more fascinating and interesting to me because the large majority of your talent audience of people you're trying to attract to work for, for McDonald's is also um, their customers. You know, So there's a huge crossover there. And something to think about for in the hospitality industry specifically is when when you post a number of vacant roles, it's not uncommon to see a spike in traffic on your website of up to 10 or 15 percent. And if you think about the candidate experience and how that influences how people feel about your brand in like across the board, it's also a great opportunity to acquire new customers. And if you start thinking about a brand experience is a brand experience regardless of the context and it needs to uphold the brand standards and suddenly you think about it all differently and it gets really interesting when you correlate how do we connect a candidate to the customer and the customer to, to a candidate uh, it's not easy but there's huge opportunities in there when we work with virgin we proved that their poor candidate experience at the start of our relationship with virgin 
was actually costing them over $5 million a year because customers who were applying for jobs at Virgin were having such a poor time that they were going home and canceling the contract as a customer. And Virgin didn't know that. So we proved it and you know, that fueled a huge business case to improve the candidate experience. Uh, and then it opened up the, the doors to, okay, so what if it's a positive candidate experience and they're not customers? How do we, how do we use that as an opportunity? Um, you know, so it's interesting. I, I wonder if, if, if your audience have sort of ever considered using recruitment to boost brand reputation across the board and joining those two things up. I think often we 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 forget that actually as we just down to the way we do the interview and the way we interact from the first touch point really can impact you know not just if as you say the customers or the the potential candidates going to say yes to a job but also if they're actually going to come in the door if it's a restaurant setting or a hotel come and visit us again because like whoa I'm not I'm not going to spend my hard earned money on a company that really treats people like that because that's what it comes down to in the end how i'm treated no matter how i'm connected with the brand and everything is intellect interlinked as you say in a way and always comes back and i i think also if i think back on my own experience when we got that really right both the customer and the employee journey and it really worked well together and you had the operational system to support that that's where you created great business results and it didn't matter if the recession or no recession because I was just raving fans on both sides. That's exactly right. And I'm in North California right now, uh, about four hours north of where I live in Coronado. And I'm sat in an Airbnb rather than a hotel. And the reason for that is how Brian Chesky, um, in a really tough time, 18 months ago, let lots of people go. But he did it with empathy, compassion, dignity, and respect. And his brand equity went up. Um, because of that you know and even in times of weakness and challenge there's always an opportunity to increase your brand equity and you should never underestimate the value of that i think i think there's a there's a big lesson to be learned there what what about your yourself brian you 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 run a business and we've been through horrendous change over the as, as human beings and leaders and of business the last couple of years and everybody has been challenged some industries more than other but like what is your biggest learning as a human and business leader the last two years if you reflect on that yeah no that's a great question and, and actually i can immediately go to the answer because it's it's something quite profound and it resonated with me and, and it was a moment um we were probably four months into the pandemic. Uh, there's, there's about 80 of us at the time. There's 130 of us now, but um, we were all working remote from home and I was having a tough week. And I was carrying the pressure of trying to keep the morale and sort of confidence and sort of focus of, uh, of the team. And it was a lot of pressure. And I was putting out weekly videos to the team to try and keep everybody in, you know, informed and together. And it wasn't scripted, it was spontaneous, but I, I, I basically said in this video, I'm having a really tough week. I'm having time, trouble focusing. I'm ha I actually struggled to get out of bed this morning. Uh, I can't focus on anything and it's, it's difficult. I am having a really tough day. And I published that and what I got back was an overwhelming response of, thanks for being so vulnerable. I felt the same way. I didn't realize like it was okay to talk about that. And, you know, that's, that's really helped me in my week. And then the next thing that I wasn't expecting was um, 
people around me showing leadership and helping me, picking me up when I was down and giving me a bit of a sort of life lesson and sort of remembering that it's okay to talk about these things and all the rest of it. And in that moment, I wasn't leading the company. The company was leading me and I was inspired by by my people. Uh, so for me, the lesson was to not underestimate the power of vulnerability and empathy and listening and showing compassion and just doing the right thing by your people because that's the right thing to do. And I think in those moments, you learn a little bit about yourself. You learn a little bit about the culture that you've created. And um, there's an opportunity to strengthen in, even in those moments of weakness. And that's that's like a very personal lesson for me. Um, and something that you know I, I take into when I'm designing strategy and I'm thinking about how I'll lead into new initiatives. Uh, my mind often wanders to, to, to the, that moment during the pandemic and um, I'm grateful for that experience. And I love the, the outcome that came out, Brian. Like it's almost like we all leaders, like people didn't, it was not like something you said to them, you're all leaders. They almost just adapted into to that role and you were like charging forward as as a group, but not one leader, but everybody was leading it sounds like and i heard that from, from others as well again coming back to what you said earlier being authentic this is this is really how i feel and this is where i am and, and it's okay and uh we take one day at a time i, I really love that that's really great learning what what are then and now we come you know we're into a new phase but is there something you're really excited about right now in the work you're doing with with companies inside your own business like something really like right now this is excites me i can see you know in every challenging period there's also opportunities i says yeah absolutely i mean I've, we've reached a stage of maturity inside of our organization where I've, I've, we've managed to hire really smart people um and we're now in a position where we're giving them the space to create and, and innovate. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to change my role as more of a sort of a coach and supporter to allow really smart people develop new, exciting products and services uh, for, for our, our clients. And that's, and that's happening um, inside our organization. You know, we're looking at um, diversity, equity, and inclusion, brand products we've got a great career website technology product which is starting to really develop and thrive and you know it's down to other great leaders in the organization so i'm excited about those things because i think you know we're, we're a small business but we work with some of the, the best brands in in the world the imposter syndrome and the idea of sort of punching above your weight is is just has always been there but um right now it, it's a privilege to watch um really smart people and support them to do really innovative things. And the space we're in, employer branding, um, at a macro level, the most exciting thing is our clients, our the organizations we work with, they are finally seeing the full value of employer branding, treating their people with dignity and respect and inclusion and, and the value a clear message can bring. And, and do you know what? It, it all sort of sparked from the pandemic where it was in poor taste to market your brand because organizations and people were struggling so much. I think there was a, a global lesson of the best marketing dollars during the pandemic was actually to tell the story of your people, to invest in a universally um, acknowledged story of 
appreciation and acknowledgement for your people working really hard under tough conditions and coming together as a team and overcoming adversity. Um, and the, the net result of that is we're seeing a trend of brands double down and invest in that kind of storytelling. And that that's that's quite profound and it's it's inspiring for us to see. It's also sound like you have put a lot of grit in and now all is like the ketchup effect. It all comes together nicely without you know without you have set the scene but all the the things in the universe has just set out now it's time now to 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 go out and make the change you want to see see in the world as a business um i i i loved your your two books as i was learning stuff as i was reading through them as well but uh we're not going to recommend them but i always like to ask people like what is the book you would recommend you know what is the book you give away to people who is not your own book nine out of ten times to other people they say you need to read this book this is gonna make you reflect or make you better in some kind of way so there's there's three books if you don't mind um that i'd <laughs> recommend that i do give to people um one is peak by uh, chip conley um and that's all about experience by design um in the, the hotel industry which is absolutely fantastic um You get some really good ideas of how to create branded experience that that really resonates. So, so that one's a book that I read at least once a year. Um, the black black box thinking by um, Matthew Said is an incredible, um, insightful book about how to think about things differently um, in a variety of different ways. He brings in sport, he brings in sort of different industries like aviation and a whole host of different business contexts, but that's that's fantastic. And the last one that I've I've read recently is A Ride of a Lifetime, the ex-CEO of, of Disney, Bob Iger. It's an incredibly inspiring story. He walks you through a number of scenarios, but the biggest takeaway from that is having absolute clarity on your business strategy and how everything can hang from it and you can create a real cohesive universe with those simple rules at the top of a strategy it's really powerful i'd highly recommend that book and, and the other the other two i've mentioned yeah and uh, i'm actually reading you know right of a lifetime right now and i, I totally agree with you and, and coming back to, to chip conley if, if you don't want to read the book we we did it into you with him uh, number 100 is with chip conley where he absolutely talk about the the power of peak and you know the designing an organization from from the ground up that's all about experience both on the customer but also the employee level it's a great great book and actually linked to Maslow's hierarchy as well so it's very very simple to translate into any organizational setting so yeah love those books that's that's great Brian what is um uh how do you actually you know you've grown this business you know over over two decades almost now how do you actually show up every day besides you are you know you'll be very vulnerable in the pandemic but how do you show up pro every day how do you make the best impact you know uh every day and get the most out of things as a business leader <laughs> yeah so i try and be action oriented i try and run um what i'm doing with my calendar so if it's not my calendar it doesn't get done so i'm I don't believe in sort of to-do lists and so on and so forth, but I anchor my my week around two things. One, uh, the strategic initiatives and planning that I'm sort of usually constantly working on, so the future of the business, and then two, making time to meet with my executive team and make sure that I'm listening and understanding on their 
their top three priorities. My job is to remove obstacles, barriers, and challenges for, for them. So I like to try and approach leadership from a, a purely supportive perspective. And then um, once a quarter, I'll bring people together and update them on um, the future of the organization and, and the, the long-term direction of the organization just to reinforce um, why we're all here and why it matters and um, the importance of everybody showing up and doing what we've talked about, you know. And um, and 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 how do you actually, if you wanted to give like, if you get to stage and give like maybe one or two, two or three advice to to leaders out there that are thinking now, but listening to this, how do I get started? How do I actually build a better employer brand? What would you like top three to advice be to them? Like just a short one to inspire them a bit. Yeah. So I mean, even like small organizations, just fill a room full of passionate people from all over your organization. And really trying to get under the skin of um, why people join, why people stay, and where people find a sense of purpose, impact, and belonging. And if you can start to create themes, you know, it could be two, it could be five, or, or whatever, of, of reasons um, that people find achievement and a sense of you know purpose, impact, and belonging, you can start to put a framework together that resonates, that's authentic. And then hopefully make sure that that aligns with your organization. And it, it doesn't have to be over-engineered. The simpler, the better. Um, but the most important thing is it, it it's representative of your whole organization so people can buy into it. And it's something that you're confident leading with. You know, it's got to be true to you as well because you've got to show up every day and, and prove that it's who you are and who the organization is as well. So if you just start there by listening it'll probably open your eyes into some things that you might have assumed or you've looked at from one perspective, but your team and people look at it from another. Um, and I always think you've just got to approach this with real curiosity and be objective to listening to what you've heard and seek to understand. Uh, it can be incredibly moving. And a lot of the time, Michael, we do these sort of research workshops and a good creative measure of a good workshop is has somebody told a story where it's made people cry? You know, because if you if you can make people cry in a room, then typically you've got to the the grassroots of you know what it really means to be human and what what your organization brings and so on and so forth. So just start there with curiosity. Absolutely great advice, and I think it's also um, it's free almost to do. You know, and absolutely. I almost got goosebumps. I almost imagine <laughs> what happens in that room. There you go. Because I, I, well, I tried similar things, and and sometimes it's a bit scary. You also told things you don't like, and that makes you being able to change that. And actually, then they see you do that change, and then you have even more loyalty than you had before. But you have to be willing and opening and to to listening and and taking things on board that you didn't you couldn't see yourself because it always comes back to you if you are the CEO, the penny drops with you. Everything that happens in the organization is ultimately your responsibility. What what is the one question you wish I've asked you, Brian, and how would you have answered that? Um so if you were to ask me what am I working on in terms of myself, my personal development? I would have told you that right now I'm working on getting more comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I think a key part of leadership in a modern world today is emotional intelligence. So I'm trying to slow down and take the time to have 
difficult conversations. Sometimes, you know, you've got to be, you've got to self-reflect, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to sort of, I'm on a, on a little journey at the moment from a personal development perspective to grow as a person and, and try and be a better empath in, in the organization. So being comfortable with being uncomfortable. That was an absolutely brilliant and very self-reflective question. I think there's many CEOs that can connect with that. So where can people find you if they want to know more about you and the work you do with the team and if they want to connect with you? Yeah, sure. So um, ph-creative.com, that's our website. You can you know, log an inquiry there or, or something. Or I'm quite um, I'm quite proactive on, on LinkedIn. So Brian Adams with a Y. Uh, PH Creative, you'll find me. Feel free to connect, and uh, yeah, that'd be great. Great, thank you so much for spending your your time with us today, Brian, and sharing all your insights and your learnings on this incredible journey of working with uh, great brands to build better employer brands, and also like a very specific example on on your own culture and your what you're thinking as a leader and CEO in today's world of business. Yeah, thanks, Michael. Really enjoyed the conversation. And thanks again for having me on. I really appreciate that you're listening in. So if you enjoyed today's conversation, please share with others, rate or give a review or subscribe to one of our channels, which all can be done via the website hospitalitymavericks.com. I believe that reading the right books is key to become a better leader. So I've helped you by creating a curated reading list with some of the best books I have found myself, but also been recommended by the amazing guests here on the show. They will help you become better at leading yourself, leading your team, and building an organization that will last. You'll find this curated list under the tab reading list on hospitalitymavericks.com. A big thank you to Biz Simply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies, and tools to help leaders to become better every day. Check them out at bizsimply.com, on their social, at bizsimply or bizsimplyhq. You can also email them directly at podcast at bizsimply.com. A huge thank you to Fina Charlton, who is a show producer from the Podcast Collective. If you have any ideas or feedback for the show or thoughts, reach out to me via LinkedIn or via my email. Michael at hospitalitymavericks.com. I'm Michael Tingsam, and you've been listening to the Hospitality Maverick Podcast Show. Be Maverick! <laughs>